0: wanted to be in a fancy metropolitan broadcast facility where the most thought-provoking thing within view is an occasional four-car pileup on the freeway below. We like being miles from nowhere in the middle of a vineyard that cannot be seen from the little two-lane road on the other side of that rise. Our barn has awesome acoustics and was built with hand tools over a hundred years ago. Nonetheless, we've got some really state-of-the-art broadcast technology inside and our wine cellar once a root cellar that is absolutely packed with wine we've collected or been given by friends. Welcome. You have just set foot on Grape Encounter's radio property, where we don't believe in no trespassing signs. But let's make this our little secret. Oh, and that wine is protected by the sweetest-looking golden retriever who dated a Doberman for a while, so don't get any idea. wash me some ice skin me a peach save the fuzz for my pillow
1: all right and it is time for your weekly grape encounter and i am so sad you know because parting is sweet sorrow because we have been for the past number of weeks up in southern Oregon and last year we were up in the Willamette Valley a little further up the state we always have so much fun when we go to Oregon it's just such a a great group of people up there great wineries smaller wineries than what we're used to in California these are very hospitable people as you probably ascertained from listening to past shows A really funny thing happened during our airing of the various shows from Oregon is that we were contacted by folks from the Oregon Wine Experience. And I was so glad that this happened because I really felt like even though we've spent so much time up in Oregon, we didn't even get close to the tip of the iceberg in terms of what there is in terms of wine and food and wine culture. And so I am really delighted that... We were contacted by Sarah Ann Driggs and actually others from the Oregon Wine Experience. I'll tell you what that is in just a second because it is so cool. But let me just say, welcome, Sarah Ann, to the show.
2: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Oh,
1: I hope so. This is the most fun that you can possibly have with a glass of wine in your hand. You do have a glass of wine in your hand, right, Sarah Ann?
2: Of course I do. How could you not be in the wine business and not constantly have a glass of wine in your hand? All right. So
1: you're not really
2: in the wine business
1: though. Talk to me about the event that you guys do up there. It's the Oregon Wine Experience. And by the way, I I do want to say to listeners, we do have one more visit that we're going to do after we finish with Sarah Ann. But this Oregon Wine Experience event is really like, if you want deep immersion into Oregon wine, this is how you can do it. We did the best we could with Grape Encounters, but there's just not enough time to talk about everything that is wine in Oregon. And these folks have done an amazing job. And and we want to really jump on board and support this event. So give it to us.
2: So it's a multi-day event. We hold it in August in Jacksonville, Oregon. It's this quaint little town in Southern Oregon has, you know, wonderful roots in the mining and wine industry. And we basically put on this incredible event. Again, it's multi-day format. We kick it off with our medal celebration to highlight our winners of the Oregon wine competition. We then roll into our Founders Barrel Auction, which we auction off case lots of uh, wineries from across the state with varietals ranging from Pinot Noir to Chardonnay to some of your more obscure ones like Tempranillo, uh, Syrah, some that you might not know actually grow here in Oregon. And we auction those lots off for people to then take home when they are ready in six months to a year. We then move toward our gala event, which is our miracle auction in Salmon Bake. And this is really the to-die-for event in terms of culinary. We have the Coquille Indian tribe come in and do their 100-year plank steak salmon cooked right there in front of your eyes. Wow! And you can't pair it any better with multiple varietals of wine. We then move into a live and silent auction for our guests to bid on these once in a lifetime experiences. It's really just a fantastic event. And then we, you know, conclude with some dancing on the floor and a few more bottles of wine open. And then the culmination is our grand tasting where we have more than a hundred wineries from across the state come in and pour their award winners in this one unique and stunning location. And you really have the opportunity to take in everything Oregon in just these four days. A
1: hundred wineries. And let's just put that into perspective for a second. Do you know basically how many wineries there are in Oregon right now?
2: It's somewhere in the neighborhood of 650, 660. You know, my goodness,
1: 100 out of 600, 650 is a huge percentage. And I'm going to guess that there is no major wine producing state that has that high a percentage of wineries there to represent the state. You've got to be a record. Setter. Hey, call the Guinness people. We're getting Guinness on the line. Okay. Not the beer. People.
2: Wonderful. We'll get the patent office on the line while we're doing that too. So, <laughs> How do
1: you navigate a hundred wineries, Sarah?
2: We That's have murder, an you know. incredible team. We have a great team. We set it up so easily for our guests. You just can't beat it. Now,
1: most people stay right there in the general vicinity. Are there enough rooms to accommodate the people that come to the event?
2: There are. Uh, Jacksonville has plenty of lodging and you can just go right down the road. to a few of our other cities in the surrounding area. The great thing about Southern Oregon, for your listeners far and wide in those big cities, we don't have traffic here. So take an Uber, drive yourself down the road. You're going to get to where you want to be in 10 to 15 minutes. It's not a long jaunt. And you'll get to take in this amazing area. We have stunning views. You would be blown away by what we have to offer in our valley. All right,
1: but I'm going to interrupt you because that's fake news that you don't have traffic. We did close to 1,000 miles in southern oregon and i cannot tell you how many times i had to stop for elk and deer so yes
2: you're right i I forgot about that
1: wildlife it's the weirdest thing too If, if you're from the big city and you go to southern oregon you'll just be astonished by the wildlife that is just out roaming about it's really amazing are you from that part of the world or are you a transplant
2: I'm a transplant. I grew up in the Midwest, just outside of Chicago. Our wildlife was you know squirrels and deer and an occasional robin and cardinal and here I have to navigate around wild turkey and uh, mountain lions and beautiful eagles and hawks. I mean, you just can't beat what's in front of your view here. It's just fantastic.
1: Did you want to hear my wild turkey imitation? Go for it. <laughs> Pretty good, huh? I
2: think you're spot on there, David.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We were in the motorhome, and we woke up one morning at a winery that we stayed at, Nonchalant. Are you familiar with those guys? I am. Okay, so we stayed at their vineyard, and we woke up the next morning and heard that sound. And they had all these wild turkey. There must have been like 50 of them out there. And I was thinking that that would have made such a good dinner. But anyway, we left them alone.
2: Yeah, you'll want to because you'll end up behind bars if you go after those wild turkeys. <laughs> and that's the last thing we want for our guests here in Southern Oregon. We're okay. a little more hospitable than that.
1: All right. We only have a few minutes left. So let's talk about the event. The event is actually August 19th through the 25th. It's not like a, you know, a one-day event. You can really immerse yourself, right?
2: You can. And you can pick and choose, you know, some people can't take in full 7 days. We have a lot to offer outside of the event. Oh. But yeah, the main events are the 22nd through the 25th. We kick it off earlier in the week with our Oregon Wine University. It gives you an opportunity to educate yourself a little bit more on Oregon wines as well as um, how they compare to the world yep. as well as uh, take a Riedel tasting class and see what why a certain glass is going to enhance a certain varietal and it's just a great opportunity to get more advancement on your wine knowledge.
1: We've had George Riedel here in the studio in person. Oh yes. Those guys are really serious wine geeks. I mean they know just the, the little intricacies. That's a very interesting seminar to take. Now this is actually a fun. So you're a nonprofit and can we are. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that for a second.
2: So uh, the Asante Foundation puts on the Oregon Wine Experience and it is a fundraiser for our Children's Miracle Network wing of the hospital. We're one of 177 hospitals that are affiliated with Children's Miracle Network. We service the nine counties in Northern California and Southern Oregon and this is primarily for Children's Miracle Network, but we do have other hospital healthcare initiatives that benefit from this event. The great thing about it is 100% of the proceeds goes into wow. um, our fundraising efforts. So nothing goes towards actually putting on the event.
1: Sarah-Ann, I really appreciate it. It's the OregonWineExperience.com, right? Correct. Check it out, and you'll see some great photographs there, and this great photograph uh, looking down on Jacksonville, which I've been to, a really awesome little town. Just come and have some fun with us, and we will see you August 19th through the 25th. Now, Sarah-Ann, we're going to pop over to Abacella Winery.
2: Wonderful. They're one of our participating wineries, and do a great job. So enjoy Avicella.
1: All right. Okay. We're going to be back with more Grape Encounters. My very special thanks to Sarah Ann Driggs. Sarah Ann, by the way, is the Foundation Events Officer for the Asante Foundation, which puts on the Oregon Wine Experience. That's some great work you're doing, Sarah Ann.
2: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. We're going to be back
1: right after this. And we will be at Avicella Winery, which is, by the way, a very, very interesting, cool place with great wines. It seems like a day doesn't go by that someone doesn't tell me how lucky I am to be able to taste the multitude of wines that I get to try as part of my job. And while that certainly is true, what is also true is that a great number of wines that I do taste just don't cut it. That's why it gives me so much pleasure to tell you about the wines from Peak Ranch, made in the San Ynez Valley on the central coast of California. As exciting as these wines are, I'm especially proud of the fact that they're produced by my oldest friend of all time, John Wagner, along with his charming wife, Jill. John was always the smartest kid in school, and I was always just a tad bit jealous of his determination to be the best. So when I found out that he was the producer of these utterly fantastic wines, I wasn't the least bit surprised. From their remarkably elegant Pinots to their perfectly balanced Chardonnay and luscious Syrahs, it's no surprise ...that the wines produced at Peak Ranch are simply as good as it gets... ...and they have the scores to prove it. Log on to peakranch.com. That's P-E-A-K-E, ranch.com. You can buy their wines online... ...which means it'll be the best time you ever spend on the internet. Go to peakranch.com.
3: In Greek mythology, we learn the mysterious connection between walnuts and wine... When Dionysus, the god of wine, fell in love with Princess Caria of Laconia, her sisters tried to prevent the romance, so Dionysus turned them into rocks. He also turned his beloved Caria into a walnut tree. She was, after all, a hard nut to crack. free-trade chocolate-covered walnuts, and for bakers, M.M. Organics produces 100% gluten-free walnut flour, estate walnut oil, and, of course, their crazy delicious raw walnuts. Get all their products online at MMOrganics.com. That's MMOrganics.com.
0: And now, Grape Encounters with David Wilson continues.
1: Back with Grape Encounters Radio, and the journey continues, and we're in Roseburg, Oregon, and now at a very special place. Oh my gosh, I could move in here tomorrow. I could live here. It's like the ultimate property. It's Abasala Winery, and I'm here with one of the owners. It's a husband and wife team, but lo and behold, he is not in Oregon today, but Hilda is here. It's Hilda Jones, and Hilda, you have showed us a great time here. Well, thank you very much. We would have recorded while we were having the great time, but... But then listeners kind of listen and they go, that's not really fair. So we get the great time out of the way and then we move on. But oh my gosh, I can tell you honestly, I was floored by the wines that I tasted today. Absolutely floored. This is absolutely one of the, I mean, most consistent portfolios of wines that I've tasted and, you know, the Spanish varietals that, you know, don't get as much attention in the States as they should. But that's where you're hanging your hat, really, I think here.
4: Right, we introduced Tempranillo as a varietal it had been, hadn't been had been grown in the States. They did such a great job in Spain. Why not here? And all searched for the perfect site. We think we found it. It gives us what we need to do a variety of levels of Tempranillo from the Fiesta, which is the entry level, which is less tannic, up to the Grand Reserva, the Paramore, which is uh, just absolutely delicious and divine. So when people
1: get into the wine business and you and your husband had no background in wine whatsoever except for probably consuming a great deal of it, over the years, right? Well, that would be correct. Fairly uh, large amount. Why, why Spanish varietals?
4: Well, my husband had actually fallen in love with it when he lived in San Francisco before he met me. And he loved the wines and didn't even know really that Tempranillo was the grape. And then as we met and we were honing in on wine, he thought, well, why doesn't anybody in America grow such a wonderful grape as as this grape? So the search was on. The gauntlet had been dropped. He, decided he wanted to find the perfect place.
1: Well, you guys decided to take the hard road, though, when you think about it, because you came to an area that doesn't have a lot of wineries to begin with. I mean, you know, compared to other major wine regions, it's a smattering, comparatively speaking, but the wines that are grown here are just absolutely phenomenal. But now you, you go to a region that is lesser known, you plant grapes that are maybe less popular than the eight or nine that we're mostly used to.
4: That's a gamble right? Well, it was, but my husband was a researcher, and he's very methodical, very logical. He looked for a property for three years before we settled on this one, and he was very careful in his research. So I figured the worst that could happen is we'd move out here. It didn't work. We'd sell the property and do something else. So it was a calculated risk, but knowing how cautious he is and what a wonderful researcher he is, I thought it was Now, you said it. that
1: was the worst that could happen, but uh, you failed to mention that you built this on a fall line.
4: Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> and there's that. <laughs>
1: There are worse things that could happen. But the concrete walls in this building that we're in, which was built in, what did you say, 2011, 2011. right, are massive. I mean, you could store, you know, the golden fort from Fort Knox in here, and Shh, nobody... tell
4: everybody. Oh, there
1: are secrets. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's overbuilt, to say the least.
4: We think it's built just right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's a fortress, really. I mean, we're in the tasting room at one moment, and then you lead me down a hallway, and I'm looking at walls that are a foot and a half thick or two feet thick. I don't know how thick they are, but they're thick. They're thick. Yeah. You spent some money on concrete. I believe you so. made a concrete investment here. <laughs> we did in more ways than one. All right. But uh, okay. So let's go back to the wines for a second, because the shocker for me wasn't a Spanish varietal, but it's one that should be a Spanish varietal. And that is the Malbec. Mm. Wow. That was a big shock for me. That was the wine that I tasted. And I went, Holy smoke, I'm in love with this wine. This is so good. It is a delicious Shocker wine. for you guys as well? or
4: Yeah, because we didn't know. I mean, nobody was doing so many of these varietals when we moved here. So we were kind of the guinea pigs, if you would. And nobody was doing Tempranillo, Malbec, no. Uh, there was some Merlot. So many of the Syrah wasn't done. So we kind of planted things that nobody else had done. And I have to admit that Malbec has been a wonderful surprise.
1: So this... This whole project was really though your retirement project (laughs) what were you thinking exactly because this is so much work you know it is right this is not a retirement project that maybe is a quilting shop or something like that (sighs) you not only went after the business of growing grapes that are lesser known in an area that is lesser known but you did it in a big way I mean this is not a small project that you have here I mean it's huge And, and so you went in you know as deep as I think anybody could possibly go in. Was there ever a moment of fear in doing this?
4: Like, no, I, I don't think it was so much fear. It's just sometimes it was overwhelming. And other than that, I mean, you figure it out and you move on.
1: So nobody said it at some point, "I think we're maybe getting in over our heads here." I mean, it's obvious you have it under control and that you're doing an amazing job. You're you're raking in the awards. But I'm I'm thinking about back then. You know, going back ten years or eight years or what? You know, whatever. When you made those monumental decisions. That had to be scary.
4: Well, it was the unknown. And I I do remember one of the kids, a daughter's husband once said, do you ever think you'll be caught up where you can sit and relax and enjoy what you've done? And I said, sure, we will. And when is that going to be? Well, we are. We are now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a matter of perspective, but uh, we've, we're have very pleased with what we've done, the alkylades, but just the thought that the scientific research that Earl had done has borne out the way we were hoping. So it's been great. I mean, we came out here for Tempura Neo and still love it. When we first moved here, we were the only ones that made Tempura Neo, actually in the Pacific Northwest on a commercial basis, and it just has grown. I mean, now there's the Oregon Tempura Neo Alliance, which... Started out we were the only ones Producing in 97 and now there's Over a hundred producers Wait there California was there's an alliance
1: but at one point You were the only one?
4: No 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 I'm now that there was enough people. Yeah, I'm I was going to say, that's an easy alliance when it's just yeah. you,
1: yourself, and you. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You
4: the answer is always right. Then when we started, we were the only one, but as numbers grew, we were able to do the Oregon Tempranillo Alliance, and it's well over 100 producers now, all throughout the state of Oregon.
1: Tell me the biggest wow that you got. Who walked into this tasting room or the earlier rendition of your business and tasted your wines and said, oh my gosh. Hmm. I mean, when, when did you know from, uh, I guess we'll call it a higher authority, that you had something that was a winner?
4: Well... It was actually as a result of the San Francisco International Wine Competition, and we entered our 98 Tempranillo. So this was the second vintage we had done, and it won a double gold and bested all the other Spanish entries. That was a good day for you. That was a great day for us. How did you find out about that? Actually, the lady that sold us barrels knew about it before I had seen it. What? (laughs) No! Seriously. She called to say, oh, Hilda, congratulations. I think that's just fabulous news and all this kind of thing. And I said, Oh, well, I didn't even know yet. What a
1: killjoy.
4: No, actually, I, it, it might have been a much later. So it made for a great evening of celebration for us. Really? Did you check to verify that she was giving you the true skinny on this? Well, then, yeah, I did. Because, you know, we weren't so glued to our computers at that point. So I went online, went, holy guacamole, she's telling me the truth. Yeah, so you called the competition then. Is that right? You called, you called to the competition to find well, out? Well, I could actually go
1: online. Oh, you could and, go online. Yeah, yeah. It's funny they didn't notify you of that. That. Well, I don't I'm know how to... she found
4: out so fast, but <laughs>
1: okay. So, what did you drink that night, Tempranillo? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Double Gold?
4: The Double Gold.
1: That's the point, isn't it, where you gather up all of those wines and you put them in a safe someplace or a safe spot someplace and you double the
4: price on them. Well, we didn't double the price, but was there a run on the wine? Well, there was. Yeah. No. But it was validation of what a we very, had set A very a very influential competition. Okay. <laughs> we'll be
1: back with more grape encounters right after this.
3: The Central Coast of California is world-renowned for exceptional wines, but it's also one of the most vibrant and alluring travel destinations in America because the wide range of things to see and do here is absolutely astonishing. From stunning beaches to breathtaking hiking trails to world-class dining, artisan crafts work, and so much more, California's Central Coast is addictive. For those visiting this magical region, there's no better place to call home base than the city of Atascadero. Atascadero is perfectly centered in the middle of everything you'll want to see and do while you're here. A true slice of Americana. The locals here are eager to welcome you, and the accommodations are plentiful, comfortable, and affordable. Atascadero is a a 365-days-a-year destination with mild winter weather and mostly sunny days even when the rest of the country is bundled up. For more information about the warm and welcoming town of Atascadero, log on to visitatascadero.com. Discover the California Central Coast at visitatascadero.com.
1: It seems like a day doesn't go by that someone doesn't tell me how lucky I am to be able to taste the multitude of wines that I get to try as part of my job. And while that certainly is true, what is also true is that a great number of wines that I do taste just don't cut it. That's why it gives me so much pleasure to tell you about the wines from Peak Ranch, made in the San Ynez Valley on the central coast of California. As exciting as these wines are, I'm especially proud of the fact that they're produced by my oldest friend of all time, John Wagner, along with his charming wife, Jill. John was always the smartest kid in school And I was always just a tad bit jealous of his determination to be the best. So when I found out that he was the producer of these utterly fantastic wines, I wasn't the least bit surprised. From their remarkably elegant Pinots to their perfectly balanced Chardonnay and luscious Syrahs, it's no surprise that the wines produced at Peak Ranch are simply as good as it gets. And they have the scores to prove it. Log on to peakranch.com. That's P-E-A-K-E, ranch.com. You can buy their wines online, which means it'll be the best time you ever spend on the Internet. Go to peakranch.com.
0: you know that you can visit us in person right in the heart of the central coast wine country of california we can get you a special raid at one of our loveliest hotels introduce you to some epic wines in person help you chart out amazing self-guided winery tours and tell you stories that we're not allowed to share on the radio Okay, that last one was
1: a, a stretch. Here's David. All right, back with Grape Encounters Radio at a very special place. It's Abasala Winery, and I'm here with Hilda Jones. Hilda,
4: what are you most proud of here? Wow, I'm so proud of so much. It's a wonderful piece of property. I think we have wonderful wines. I'm proud of the varietals that we can do. We have a lot of diversity. We do Tempranillo, Syrah, Malbec. We've got Albarino, which is our favorite white wine. We have a, a port wine that we make with five different port grapes. Is that what I'm drinking right now? Yes.
1: This is so good.
4: That's the dessert. And right. I have a little
1: chocolate. Yeah, here I have too. a
4: little chocolate to go. I'm going to use
1: my fingers because that's if okay. I if I try to put the microphone down, that's not going to work. No, that's so fine. A little shaved chocolate and a little port. And you, well, we can, you can't call it port. You call it port well, style. Well, we're
4: grandfathered in. Are you really? Yeah, because they we were calling it port before they made that ruling.
1: Well, you lucked out. Yep. mm. And that is so, well, now I've got a mouthful of chocolate and (laughs) pork and I can't talk. So the idea of building a wine, I'm going to go back to this because I'm always fascinated with this part. And as I think most listeners are, the idea of building a winery, your husband's idea, your idea, both? His idea. But yeah, we
4: wanted to do this project. What
1: did that conversation sound like when he first said, I think we should get into the wine business? And were you just, yeah, that's a great idea. Or did you say, I think you maybe have had a little too much wine tonight, dear? No.
4: He, we were trying to think of what he would do when he retired. And we thought of all these different businesses. And he had lived in California long before he met me and had been introduced to, to wine. And he thought, you know, I really love the climate out there. I think I would like to try to grow grapes and, and make wine. I said, sure, let's do it. So That easy? Pretty much. Wow. I don't remember any drag-down fights or anything. Well, I'm we just, just you
1: know what? We, we toured the property with you, and what's been built here is really elaborate. I mean, the, just the heating and cooling of sidewalks and floors and things that most people don't even dream of incorporating into their property. I mean, the minutiae is really pretty elaborate and impressive. So I'm, I'm imagining life at home with you and Earl you know, pouring over architectural drawings and saying, I want to do this and I want to heat the floors and I want to do this. We're going to, you know, pour walls that are two feet thick and all that. (laughs) And you obviously just trust his instincts. Totally. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. Wow. So what's your role in all of this? How do you define your respective roles, his and yours?
4: He's more the general manager. He was the founding winemaker, and he still consults with our winemaker and still in the vineyard. He knows, I think, every plant by name. And um, as I have gotten out of the vineyard, but originally, I mean, we planted together. My first day on the job was pulling out cattle fence. Um, Not a job I was used to, I might add. (laughs) So we've done everything together, and as I'm more... Have become more specialized in the financial end, and he still, he, he just so enjoys being out in the vineyard and working with the wine. So that's what he does. And then I'd work with the tasting room and do the financials.
1: How did he learn the craft of winemaking? Because that's not something that you just pick up overnight. Or did he?
4: Well, well I told you he was a scholar. He, he, he's very much into research and he, he's very knowledge driven. He had a good palate, and he had been a scientist. And so it was kind of a like the big experiment.
1: Right. So you have five kids. Correct. And they're not involved in the business.
4: Not hands-on every day. I mean, they've all participated in some way or another. So what happens
1: to this property, you know, some years down the road when you get past retirement age? Do you sell it? Do you, do you just, you know, shut the gate and... Oh no. What, oh, no. What, what yeah. happens? What's That's the, what's, what, what do you see as the future legacy of this property? You've never been asked that question.
4: Well, you know, I, I think about it sometimes, and I think, well, you know, you can, depending, I mean, one of the kids or two of the kids might come back to work with this, or you can hire a general manager. I'm very proud of what we've built, and I think it does have a legacy that is, uh, will last for a long time. So...
1: No, I can see that. You know, I run into this periodically. The wine business is a business where many generations will be involved, where, you know, we've got in in California, we have at least, I can think of one wine family that's eight generations deep right now and still going. But I've heard this a few times from people who have built wineries that the kids are not interested in carrying on the winery. Which, uh, of all the businesses that I could think of that you could possibly be in, the wine business is the one where family figures in so centrally into the, into the business. So I was just curious about that because that's, we see more and more of that where you know the kids are sort of migrating away from the wine business. But, of course, you had your kids were pretty much grown when you built this, right?
4: Well, the two youngest were 4 and 12 oh, no, when okay. we moved out here. Oh, okay, all right. Okay, so that's not the case, yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So they all certainly have their thumbprint in here, and they have different tra- trajectories, and we'll see. But, you know, it's a great property to live on and a great business to oversee, so. Do
1: they get wines for birthdays and holidays?
4: What do you think? <laughs>
1: well, yeah. I know everybody expects, you know, having a wine shop, everybody expects me to give them wine, but they forget that that's more expensive than almost anything else that we could get them. <laughs> All right, so uh, I, we're going to have to wrap it up here. But if people want to buy the wines and discover the wines, you have uh, the wines are pretty accessible. For
4: yes, the most part. we yeah. um, have online sales. Uh, our tasting room is open seven days a week. And distribution in how many states now? Several. Well, on the West Coast, it's California, Oregon, and Washington, and then there's some on the East Coast as well. Yeah, but if somebody wants to buy it online, they can do that, right? If we can ship to that state. Okay, and the website is? Uh, www.abacela.com. And that's A-B-A-C-E-L-A. You want to explain what the name means before we go? Sure. Uh, It's actually, the root word is uh, bacelo, which in Spanish means stick, from the Latin derivative bacillus for a rod. And back in the 12th century when you put an A in front of it, it gave it an action, made it a verb, so the verb was abacilar, which is to plant a grapevine. So we conjugated it to be abacella. he or she plants a grapevine. It was like hitting the trifecta. It was at the first of the alphabet. It was a Spanish word, and it meant what we were doing. Was there any name that you rejected? Oh, several. (laughs) That's the hardest thing, isn't it? Naming something. It is. It's you're you're putting your identity out there, and and we knew Jones wasn't. Uh, we didn't think that was going to flip. So. <laughs>
1: Except you could, you know, everybody's chore would be to keep up with the Joneses. Well, that's true. That's you, true. And you've heard that your whole life, right? Yeah. Well, right. since my married life. Hey, listen, thank you so much. I really appreciate you uh, hosting us here. And I, you know, a couple of things I do want to mention. You have a crazy, wonderful pizza oven, and you also <laughs> bake this bread that is just absolutely delicious. It's a sourdough, mm-hmm. and the starter came from Our, the um, Tempranillo
4: grapes. The, your grapes and the yeah. native yeast on the skins and.
1: I used that as a palate cleanser in there, and then I, you know, there was a point where I was just looking for more bread. That was so delicious. Thank you. Anyway, thanks so much for your hospitality. Really appreciate it. And we're going to get back on the road again. We've um, we got a few more days of travel here in Oregon, and then heading back to California, we're going to return our My Way Grape Encounters wine chaser vehicle. But I tell you what, this is a great way to see wine country. Do you see a lot of RVs, by the way, uh, oh. that come in here? Yes,
4: that's why lots. you have a very big parking lot. Exactly, exactly. And, a, and you see plenty of them. Oh, sometimes there'll be like three or four uh, right in front of the winery, and they can load up some serious amount of merchandise into that yes, RV too. They can <laughs>
1: I like that too? I if like they come that. with an empty trailer, then you're really, you know, probably boom. You're, you're licking home. your lips on that one. Yep. <laughs> okay, we'll be back with more grape encounters right after this.
0: Your Grape Encounter with David Wilson will continue from our Central Coast Wine Country studio in the quaint, friendly, and historic town of Atascadero, California. Don't forget to join our Grape Encounters Radio Facebook group page, where incredibly fun people just like you share ideas and frequently get together to share a bottle as well.
1: It seems like a day doesn't go by that someone doesn't tell me how lucky I am to be able to taste the multitude of wines that I get to try as part of my job. And while that certainly is true, what is also true is that a great number of wines that I do taste just don't cut it. That's why it gives me so much pleasure to tell you about the wines from Peak Ranch, made in the San Ynez Valley on the central coast of California. As exciting as these wines are, I'm especially proud of the fact that they're produced by my oldest friend of all time, John Wagner John was always the smartest kid in school and I was always just a tad bit jealous of his determination to be the best. So when I found out that he was the producer of these utterly fantastic wines, I wasn't the least bit surprised. From their remarkably elegant Pinots to their perfectly balanced Chardonnay and luscious Syrahs, it's no surprise that the wines produced at Peak Ranch are simply as good as it gets. And they have the scores to prove it. Log on to peakranch.com That's P-E
3: free trade chocolate covered walnuts and for bakers mm organics produces 100% gluten-free walnut flour the state walnut oil and of course their crazy delicious raw walnuts get all their products online at mmorganics.com that's mmorganics.com The Central Coast of California is world-renowned for exceptional wines, but it's also one of the most vibrant and alluring travel destinations in America because the wide range of things to see and do here is absolutely astonishing. From stunning beaches to breathtaking hiking trails to world-class dining, artisan crafts work, and so much more, California's Central Coast is addictive. For those visiting this magical region, there's no better place to call home base than the city of Atascadero. Atascadero is perfectly centered in the middle of everything you'll want to see and do while you're here, a true slice of Americana. The locals here are eager to welcome you and the accommodations are plentiful, comfortable and affordable. Atascadero is a 365 days a year destination with mild winter weather and mostly sunny days even when the rest of the country is bundled up. For more information about the warm and welcoming town of Atascadero, log on to visitatascadero.com. Discover the California Central Coast at visitatascadero.com.
0: There's a lot of counterfeiting going on in the wine world these days, but you can't fake a true grape encounter. Back with a real McCoy is David Wilson with a story you are sure to enjoy.
1: Our trip in the My Way Grape Encounters Wine Chaser RV is winding to a close, but we are finishing with a bang. We are at Danson Vineyards, which is in Medford, Oregon, and it is the brainchild of Dan and Cindy Marka. And Dan is sitting in front of me. We have so much in common, Dan. We both come from... Italian backgrounds. I should say i have half Italian background for me. You 100%, right? That's correct. I'm half uh, Sicilian and half Calabrese
5: and brought up on the East Coast and uh, moved West after about 15 years there. And a grandmother who said what? A grandmother who would continually say, you look a little skinny, you need to eat more. So she would set out her big buffet and the requirement would be to have at least three courses of that buffet. Did she,
1: did she keep track? Was Was she watching there?
5: She continually watched. And she basically would make you eat it.
1: We have the same stories, the same growing up stories, which is funny. And if you didn't grow up Italian, you really missed out because I know for me, it's the best, really, memories that I have. But it's also, you know, where the memories of food and wine come from. And I think it's where I was influenced to become a foodie and a wino. I don't, there's, there's don't want to say wine aficionado because I hate that term. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say wine lover because I don't have a romance with wine, but, you know, I am Wine. I'd love to drink wine. I imagine if you were growing up on the East Coast, there was some homemade wine involved there as well,
5: right or wrong. There, there was homemade wine. There was beer, but it all
1: centered around the food and just the conversation. So let's talk about what you built here because I'm going to say this flat out: anybody that comes to this region, you have to come to this winery. Let's start with the view. You have one of the best views I've seen on the entire trip. It's breathtaking, and and you created a garden area. And an outdoor patio area that's among the best I've ever seen I mean I've seen big grand presentations at other big grand wineries you're a smaller winery but everything is perfect the way that your garden integrates into nature couldn't have been done better
5: we really wanted to create an area with changing colors throughout the seasons so that you can come out and things are fresh things are new and you're able to look out uh, in one direction and see table rocks, kind of an area of the high desert. And you could just sit in a seat looking the other way and see a 9,500 foot elevation peak with, with a snow covered mountain. And you can look across the valley and see where cab has grown. There are many different things to take in when you're here.
1: I look at every detail in your tasting room. And the entire property, you are precise and meticulous.
5: So obviously, you've had a conversation with my wife before coming out. Who's the
1: fastidious one, or is it both of you?
5: So I probably am the one that would be the fastidious one. Cindy is the type Z in the family, but um, I really don't do anything without her blessing. We come up with ideas together, and then it's a matter of executing them. And we work very well together in doing so.
1: You met, she was working in a restaurant?
5: She was actually working in two different restaurants, On the same day, and it was because of a flood, an unknown flood that was happening on the Monterey Peninsula, that I was stranded there and got to see her a second time on the same day. And lo and behold, three months later, we tied the knot.
1: My wife, who is sitting here enjoying, by the way, your pumpkin brulee. We were married within eight months. Wow. Yeah, see? So, it, you know, kind of when it happens, it happens. So let's talk about food is so important to your place here for a number of reasons. But you make principally here Chardonnay and Pinot and a whole lot of different
5: styles. We do. We make up to nine different Chardonnays and up to 15 different Pinots. We try to accentuate the various representations of each variety. And then we also do 20% Italian. So we do some Zinfandel. We do some Sangiovese. And we do Barbera that we source uh, out of a farm that's only about five miles away, but so different than ours. Wow.
1: Tell me this. First of all, the name of the winery is and D-A-N-C-I-N.
5: It's a, really a play on two different people that have come together who are polar opposites to serve. It's really why we're here. So we're, we're dancing. Okay,
1: makes sense. Okay. You should be dancing. <laughs> you should be dancing. So the kitchen is hugely important. You look into the kitchen from the tasting room. I can't recall ever seeing that any place, to be honest with you, where it's the proximity is there. And, you know, you've got the smells drifting in from the kitchen. And I apologize if this statement is taken the wrong way, but generally speaking, the conventional wisdom is don't let any smells into the tasting room because they're going to influence your perception of the wine. But I think you're bucking that idea in a big way and turning it to a positive.
5: I totally agree. So you have here at Danson many different options. So you can be here in the tasting room or at the bar and you could experience the kitchen and the culinary team prepping and plating some amazing foods or you can be outside or you can be in the cellar where there are no aromas of of food. But frankly, when I come into a place and I get those aromas, it's a great segue to enjoying wine.
1: It also makes some suggestions to the customer as to what you might be, you know, cooking up to prepare with your wines.
5: Absolutely. And we serve our culinary options table side as we do our wines. Our wines are prepared as naturally as possible, as are our uh, foods. And our goal is to just keep it simple and just share the bounty of the region.
1: This place is really disappointing to me. Because you told me, and I still have a hard time even picturing it, that you sometimes have 17 to 20 staff members that are serving the people that come here. We're here on a closed day. So I can't imagine what that looks like when you have that much staff and, and you have that many uh, people that are visiting. But you have 100 person days here commonly? We, we could
5: in the summertime and on certain days. And our goal is to extend hospitality to our guests. We want our guests to come in, be seated uh, in an area that they, uh, where they want to enjoy our offerings and just literally kick their feet up and be served. You are, I think, the embodiment of your grandmother, are you not? You know what? I was absolutely blessed to be raised by a Sicilian grandma who was on this earth for 103 years Wow! and taught us the essence of hospitality. She lived it. She breathed it. She shared it. And some of the best memories were shortly after 9-11. We were uh, actually living in Ashland at the time. And grandma and my wife spent uh, two weeks baking and cooking together. They went through 50 pounds of flour together telling stories about how they used to wash their clothes in the creek and how they used to share things and you know barter in Italy and, and, and really a you know, hard working but very satisfying life. And those are the images that I remember most with my grandmother. Just her ability to share her love through food and beverage.
1: I'm sitting here with Dan Marka. He and his wife, Cindy, created Danson Vineyards. Hey, thanks for being with us, Dan. That's going to do it from the beautiful Danson and Vineyards. And I tell you, look it up. If you don't believe me, look it up. Look at some pictures. You're going to see this is a place you definitely want to go to. That'll do it for Grape Encounters this week. We will be back here. Same station next week. <laughs> we'll see you. Bye-bye.